It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to the Locked On Panthers podcast. Bill Rossetti of Panthers Wire hitting you guys back up as the losing streak continues. It is now four straight losses for the Carolina Panthers as they fall at Tampa Bay, losing to the Buccaneers. 24 to 17. Panthers now sitting at 6 and 6 after once upon a time being 6 and 2 and now all of a sudden the playoffs look very questionable. Uh they're I will say in pretty serious jeopardy as things are just looking very very grim and we have a lot to lot to discuss, not just about the game, but a lot of news around the Panthers, both from yesterday and a little bit today as we're recording this uh, Monday morning. Uh, we'll actually start with a little bit of a shakeup on the coaching staff from the Panthers as they have fired a pair of assistant defensive coaches, including defensive line coach Brady Hoke, and assistant secondary and corner cornerbacks coach Jeff Imamura. They are they are both out as the Panthers are kind of resetting themselves a little bit in terms of the uh, coaching the defense. Uh, as it turns out, Ron Rivera will continue to work on the defense as as we uh, as we found out. He took over the play-calling duties on defense, so he will continue to do that. Eric Washington will oversee the front seven, and Sam Mills the third will run the defensive line, and Rivera will also work with Richard Rodgers in the secondary. Uh, there's obviously a lot of uh, questions being raised and a lot of concerns, and I think the Panic meter is really starting to rise because there was even a report before yesterday's game from Jason LaCanfora of CBS Sports that David Tepper is starting to get a bit weary about the direction the team is in. And now the questions are starting to come up about uh, about Ron Rivera's job security. Uh, in fact, he even was asked a question from Jordan Rodriguez at the or after the game yesterday about the report and about his job security. And uh, Ron Rivera basically was not happy at the question. He seemed to get uh, pretty agitated. I'm actually trying to bring up the tweet right now, real quick. But it was uh, it it just wasn't. It, you, you could tell the frustrations are there, both from the players and the coaches. And I mean that that's natural on a on, on a four game losing streak. But you know there's 
it, it's hard to describe, I guess, at this point. You know, it's it, it's just a, t- a tough tough pill to swallow, really. You know, th- this team was riding so high at the start of the season. Again, I mean, six and two at the halfway point. This team was looking like it was going to cruise into the playoffs. Had a shot at the division crown. Because remember, at the time, they were only one game behind the Saints, who were 7-1 and one at the time. Now the division is basically over. Uh, the Saints losing on Thursday kept them from clinching the division this week. But they probably, or at least they can clinch the division just with the win next week. So really, it's wild card or bust at this point for the Panthers. But, I mean... It's hard to see this team turning it around anytime soon. You you really have to think that the playoffs are probably out of the question, and we'll get we'll get into the wild card stings in a little bit too. But obviously, the uh, kind of the big story here is what is the status of Ron Rivera. You know, how secure now is he in his job? Is David Tepper ready to make a big splash this offseason and really change things up on the coaching staff? I, I think we can say that Eric Washington is firmly on the hot seat as defensive coordinator. You know, you, you could argue that firing two assistant coaches this late in the season is a bit of a panic move, a bit of finding someone to be the scapegoat, however you want to put it. But it definitely shows that uh, these coaches are worried. Usually when you see these types of moves, it's a bit of a worry move from coaches. And if things things don't turn around quick, there's really nowhere else to go but the top of the coaching staff. So I think Ron Rivera is starting to feel a little bit of heat with with these couple moves, and the hope is that with him taking over the defensive play calling and overseeing the secondary, that things will start to turn around over the last four weeks because at, at this point now, if they do not make the playoffs, if they continue to struggle... You know, if, if they don't finish with a winning record, it is very possible, I think, at this point, that Ron Rivera will be gone at the end of the season. And, you know, there's, there's already st- – you, you saw yesterday the story out of Green Bay. They fired Mike McCarthy. They didn't wait till the end of the season. It took a home loss to the Cardinals for them to get rid of Mike McCarthy. And, I mean – we, we kind of saw that coming. We just didn't think it would actually happen during the season. Uh, so obviously, with shout-out to Peter Bukowski over at Locked on Packers. Go check him out for his take on the McCarthy situation. But there's a possible chance now that there could be another head coach opening down in, down in Carolina. We'll see how the final four games play out. But again, I think when you make... Like, like I said, when you make these kind of moves, especially this late in the season, with just four games left, you're feeling the heat. And you know that 
your job is on the line. You've got to start to turn things around. We see it all the time. We Teams make these kind of moves, and then things don't pan out afterwards, and then it's the head coach that's next to go. So, you know, I'm not saying anything is a definite. I'm not saying he will be fired. I'm not saying he will stay as head coach, but I think the possibility of Rivera being fired is now more realistic than it was uh, a few weeks ago. I mean, at 6-2, six and two, you're not even thinking about firing Ron Rivera. Now that you're in 6-6 six and six and in danger of missing the playoffs, now those rumblings are going to, going to start up again and just continue to grow if the results don't come very quickly. Uh, the other bit of news, of course, is unfortunately another injury for Greg Olson, uh, a plantar fascia injury for Olson, likely going to end his season. Uh, just very unfortunate. You know, he dealt with a foot injury earlier this season and um, missed missed a couple games. I would not be surprised now. And I mean, it, it looks pretty likely that this is going to end Greg Olson's season. So, you know, very unfortunate, but we saw in the time that Greg Olson was out, there was a little bit of chemistry between Cam Newton and Ian Thomas. So obviously it's going to sting because Cam Newton loses his, uh, his dog, as he put it once before his, uh, his security blanket but we, we've seen the athleticism, we've seen the ability of Ian Thomas both in the preseason and in the couple of games that he was in in place of Greg Olson. So uh, it's, at least in terms of that position, it's not necessarily panic mode, but um, again, just losing that veteran presence with a with a playoff push going on certainly hurts. So Ian Thomas absolutely is going to have to step up over the next couple of weeks to help this team make that final push into the playoffs. But again, a uh, another foot injury for Greg Olson, likely a plantar fascia. And again, the likelihood is that his season is over. So a lot... A lot going on in Carolina now between the coaching staff, Greg Olson, and then the losing streak. And after this quick timeout, we will talk about the fourth consecutive loss for the Carolina Panthers. We'll be right back. You're listening to Locked On Panthers with me, Bill Rossetti. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bill Rossetti back with you guys here on the Locked On Panthers podcast. We'll now get into 
yesterday's game as the struggles just continue on really both sides of the ball, more so on defense. Though the defense did play a little better than they did against the Seahawks. They were actually getting pressure on Jameis Winston. They actually were able to sack Jameis Winston four times. Uh, did have a did have a fumble recovery in the end zone, which was which put a stop to what would have been a scoring drive because they recovered the ball in the end zone. So they had a big turnover. So they had some good stops on defense. They just didn't seem to get enough stops on defense. And then of course the offense. Yeah, there there were just a lot of killer points, obviously. Uh, the First off, as good as it was that they got to Jameis Winston four times, they also let Cam Newton get sacked four times. That didn't help. Also, uh, it almost feels like an episode of Sesame Street. This episode of Locked on Panthers is brought to you by the number four and the letters I-N-T, because that's exactly what happened from Cam Newton. Four interceptions in this one. Now, the first one wasn't necessarily on Cam Newton. It was a bit of a tip that just landed in the hands of uh, Andrew Adams, but uh, you, you could definitely argue that the other three, be it whether Cam was hit while he was throwing it or just a bad throw, whatever the case may be. But you could argue that the other three were on Cam Newton, including two interceptions in the fourth quarter. That's a killer in what was a close game. You know, they, they were down 14 and then down seven, trying to, trying to spark a comeback. But two key interceptions in the fourth quarter basically killed any hope. I mean, they, they did have one final drive which resulted in actually a pair of Hail Marys into the end zone because the first Hail Mary thrown by Cam fell about 10 yards short. But then Tampa Bay was called for offsides, which gave Carolina one last chance. But the interesting thing that I noticed, though, was that it was not Cam Newton who came out for the second Hail Mary attempt. It was actually Taylor Heineke. And it was a little bit closer. Now, granted, you had the five extra yards, obviously, but I think the ball still ended up just shy of the goal line. Now, whether uh, Carolina just was worried that, that Cam's first throw was well short of the end zone, or maybe that shoulder is bothering Cam Newton more than we think. Whatever the case may be, I, I just found it pretty interesting that Taylor Heineke was out there for the final throw of the game. But again, that fell short, and... Carolina ends up losing by seven, uh, but overall, one one of the one of the big takeaways, especially on offense for me out of this one, is that it's just become so frustrating how poor this offensive line, especially the interior of the offensive line, has become. We've we spent. So much time during the first half of the season praising this offensive line. And it just feels like the performance has just gone downhill over the last few weeks, especially on the interior. That's why you're starting. That's, that's why you almost have to think uh, next offseason 
Uh, the interior of the offensive line has to be a major point of emphasis, whether in free agency or the draft. Because other, other than that, you know, Cam Newton, despite the interceptions, you know, he had his moments. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey continues to be the highlight of this offense. In fact, I found a stat or a note saying that uh, Christian McCaffrey became the first player ever with 50 rushing yards and 50 receiving yards in five consecutive games. His final numbers for McCaffrey were 10 carries, 106 yards, so, so another 100-yard rushing game, including that long 53-yarder. And then he also caught nine passes for 55 yards and a touchdown. So over 160 total yards for McCaffrey. He, he just continues to be just the dynamic playmaker that he was at Stanford and just continuing to come into his own as an NFL player. And then, you know, Curtis Samuel, big game out of him. Six catches, 88 yards. Was actually targeted 11 times. Actually led all Panthers receivers. In fact, led all receivers, period, in targets. But it was those it was those Buccaneers receivers that did the Panthers in. Once again, Adam Humphreys does the Panthers in with seven catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. He beat up on the Panthers in the first game, and he beats up on them in the second game. And Mike Evans, four catches, 48 yards. I figured he would have at least a little bit something. You know, he wasn't going to be completely shut out like he was the first time around. So he, he had a couple moments. But then Chris Godwin, I mean, my goodness, what, what can you say about the kid? He's just a top-notch talent, just makes amazing catches, including the touchdown grab. Just went up, snagged it out of the air, was able to get both feet in bounds. Now, whether you feel Dante Jackson should have been closer in coverage while Jameis Winston was scrambling, but it was still a tough throw for Winston because he was on the move. It was still a tough catch for Chris Godwin because it was pretty high up there. He, he had to go up and basically high point that ball and bring it down. Otherwise, it's going to the back of the end zone. So credit Chris Godwin. Uh, in fact, he ended up leading the Panthers or, or the uh, Buccaneers receivers with 101 yards on five catches and a touchdown. And then Peyton Barber, uh, they were, you know, again, a, a small number of rushing yards, just 45 yards on 16 carries. But he did enough that he kept the Buccaneers offense moving and he did enough to make make you wonder what is going on with the Panthers' rush defense. Why can't they stop the run? And then Jameis Winston even adding 48 yards on five carries. Winston in the air, 20 of 30, 249 yards, two touchdowns. Whereas Cam Newton, 28 of 41, 300 yards, two touchdowns. But again, the killer was the four interceptions. Again, and, and going back to what we talked about earlier with with the uh, coaching shakeup, you know, are you are you basically making the defense the scapegoat 
particularly the uh, defensive line and the secondary, since, again, those are the coaches that were fired. You know, grant, granted, the Panthers haven't really gotten a lot of pass rush over the last couple of weeks. Again, they did get four sacks yesterday against the Buccaneers, which was big, but overall, it just doesn't seem like the pass rush has been getting there. So, like, offensive line will likely be a focus in the offseason. I think defensive defensive ends should be a focus as well. In fact, I wrote a piece the other day for Panthers Wire about a couple prospects, at least an early look at some guys that perhaps we can keep an eye on as far as draft prospects. And it was a couple different positions, not just focusing on defensive ends, though I did have two of them in there, including one from Clemson, Cleveland Farrell. Uh, also put one of the kids from Miami in there, but I also threw uh, a lineman. I actually threw Dalton Reisner in there out of Kansas State. I think he'd be a great fit in Carolina to have him and Taylor Moten because Reisner is just a stud. I don't know if you guys have gotten a chance to watch him at Kansas State, but he is just tremendously good, and I'm so excited to see him live and in person down in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. I'm just so happy that he's going to be uh, that he accepted his invitation. Uh, you know, an early look, and obviously we'll talk about this more as the Senior Bowl draws closer. In fact, we could say now next month because it's hard to believe it's already December. My goodness, it's December third. It's Christmas month. My birthday, by the way. Uh, so for anyone looking for a birthday present for me, my birthday is uh, three weeks tomorrow. Hint, hint. <laughs> but uh, no, in all serious, you know, next month being the Senior Bowl, I'm excited to get down there and see a lot of the players. And we're starting to see um, the 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 roster is, is starting to take shape, at least in terms of who's going to be at the game. The actual North and South rosters will be released the week before everybody gets down there. But you're starting to see some of the players. In fact, I believe. You have four quarterbacks at the moment who are uh, four quarterbacks at the moment going down to Mobile. I know you have Trace McSorley of Penn State. You have Clayton Thorson of Northwestern. I believe you have the, as I'm trying to load up here, because by the way, I use the Draft Network as well. They have a they have their list of the Senior Bowl acceptance trackers, so go go check them out. Uh, Kyle, Joe, John, all those guys, Trevor, Ben, Brad, they all do a great job. And they have the, uh, the Senior Bowl acceptance list here, so you can go there, keep track of who's actually accepted their invitation. And looking at it, yep, there's four quarterbacks. I, I said McSorley and Thorson. You also have Ryan Finley of North Carolina State who's been a, a very intriguing evaluation on draft Twitter. And then also Gardner Minshew II out of Washington State. So there's speculation now of who's going to be the last four. Uh, we're hoping guys like Drew Locke and Will Greer are going to be there. Yeah, not, not saying the Panthers need a quarterback, but uh, quarterback is obviously always the hot topic when it comes to uh, the draft season, and so they, those are the guys that at least we'll be keeping an eye on. Those are the four that are in right now. And looking at the 
because they also have a list of outstanding invites, guys that we know have been invited to the game but have not accepted their invitation yet, but no quarterbacks there yet. Uh, granted, a lot of these schools were holding invitations until after their conference championships so that they wouldn't get distracted. But now, especially being in a bit of a lull in college football, you know, you only have, you know, the bowl games just came out. Now you do have Army-Navy this week, but other than that, you don't really have much for about a week and a half until bowl season really gets underway. Uh, but in terms, like I said, there was, uh, I kind of got off track there talking about Rising, but I, t- I mentioned him and I mentioned a couple other guys at a couple different positions, including DN, safety, uh, I threw a linebacker in there. Uh, so that's up at Panthers Wire if you want to go check that out. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this team is in panic mode. And like I said, the playoffs are now in a bit of jeopardy, especially with the Seahawks blowing out the 49ers yesterday. So the Seahawks are now in the top spots. Of course, the Vikings lost to the Patriots yesterday. So the Seahawks now sit as the top wild card at 7-5. and five. Redskins, for the moment, are the second wild card at 6-5. and five. They, of course, play... Uh, they, of course, play tonight against the Eagles, though I do think it'll be the Eagles winning today, which would put the... I believe that would put the Vikings back as the... Uh, back as the... The second wild card, because it would put the Redskins at six and six, Eagles six and six, the Vikings would be six five and one. So, uh, Red Redskins loss means the Vikings would be at number six at six five and one. So the Panthers would only be a half game out at if Washington loses. If Washington wins, then that puts both Washington and Seattle. At seven and five, which would put the Panthers a game back in the wild card race, and of course the fact that they've lost to both Washington and Seattle does not help as well. So, really, you are rooting for Philadelphia tonight to at least keep the Panthers closer to the uh, to the wild card spot. In fact. Because I use playoff predictors. It's nice to play with all the scenarios and see what would happen. If Philadelphia does win, the wildcard standings would go Seattle at 7-5, and five, Minnesota at 6-5-1, and one, and then there'd be three teams at 6-6, six and six, Carolina, Philadelphia, and Washington. Carolina would actually be at the top of the pecking order because Philadelphia – beats out Washington on the divisional tiebreaker because of the head-to-head, and then Carolina has head-to-head on Philadelphia. So you're, you're basically rooting for Philadelphia at this point because Philadelphia would then beat out Washington and push them away from the standings. Whereas, And then, of course, Carolina, like I said, have the head-to-head on Philadelphia. Now, if it gets to a point where, say, Seattle, Carolina, and Philadelphia are in a three-way tie. 
then it could come down to, uh, you know, especially for that final spot, well, the fact that Seattle only has three conference losses at the moment versus five each for Carolina and Philadelphia, uh, that, that spells a little bit of doom for Carolina already having five conference losses. So, you know, the... It's still a tough spot because Seattle has a very favorable schedule down the stretch. We talked about this before. Uh, they are home against the Vikings, but it is now a winnable game. It is definitely a winnable game, I think, for the Seahawks next week against the Vikings. Uh, it's a Monday night game in Seattle, and we've we've mentioned how how rowdy those fans get on home primetime games. Uh, and but I mean this is a big game for both teams. Again, both team, you know, these are two teams right in the playoff hunt. But this is definitely winnable for Seattle, which would put them to eight wins. And then they have San Francisco again in Week 15. They're home against the Chiefs in Week 16, which should be a fun matchup. And then they host the Cardinals in Week 17. So I, I think you're definitely looking at at least nine wins for the Seahawks. And again, right now, Seattle, uh, assuming those wins come against Minnesota, San Francisco, and Arizona, that would mean, say, the only loss would be... Uh... Actually, I'm sorry, that would, that would put them at 10 wins. Excuse me. They win those three games. That puts them at 10 wins, meaning the best Carolina can do would, would tie Seattle at 10-6. and six. But they wouldn't have. But Seattle would have a better conference record than Carolina. So if you assume that happens, even if Seattle gets to nine wins, it's going to be tough for Carolina to catch them because that would require that would still likely require Carolina getting to ten wins, which means they'd have to run the table, which means they'd have to beat the Saints twice. Not easy. Uh, and again, you know those two games. You know the Vikings, the Chiefs, and the, C and the Cardinals are all at home for the for the Seahawks. That that game against the 49ers is actually their only road game left in the regular season. So I, I think you have to like Seattle's chances now of getting one of those final one of those wild card spots. So it comes down to uh, if you look at Minnesota's schedule again at Minnesota next Monday night. Then they're home against the Dolphins at the Lions. And then home against the Bears. Well, Miami's a winnable game. Detroit is a winnable game. So they win those two. That's 8-5-1. and one. Uh, Say they lose next week to Seattle. That's 8-6-1. and one. It really comes down to that Chicago game. But with Chicago losing to the Giants, Minnesota is still in play for the uh, division crown. So there's a chance that that Week 17 game, especially with the Bears still having to play the Rams next week, uh, that Week 17 game between the Bears and Vikings could be for the division title. Uh, so say Minnesota, and that's home against Minnesota, or that that's at Minnesota. So say Minnesota wins that game and beats Miami and Detroit. That's nine six and one. If we're giving them the loss to Seattle, nine six and one. Again, means Carolina probably has to win. So, I, I, bottom line is Carolina almost has to win 
they almost have to win out. I, I think they basically have to run the table, get to 10-6 and six if they are to make the playoffs, and I don't see that happening because, again, that would require them beating the Saints twice in the final five weeks. Heck, at this point, I don't even know if they'll beat Cleveland next week. I mean, sure, Cleveland got spanked pretty good yesterday, but the Texans are just a, such a good team right now. I mean, nine straight wins, uh, the hottest team in the NFL after the Saints winning streak came to a close. So it, it's definitely possible Carolina loses next week at Cleveland and falls under 500. So I, I don't know. It, it, it's just frustrating to see that this team started 6-2, and two, and now they're probably probably not going to make the playoffs because I, I don't see this team being any better now than 8-8. Eight eight. Because I think they lose both games to the Saints. I think they could beat the Falcons at home. But the next week against Cleveland is a bit of a toss-up. This team might finish 7-9. Which would be just completely stunning after the way they started. But I... Th- but I think it's pretty realistic that this team finishes 7-9. And, uh, well, they'd likely still be probably third in the division because, well, I don't know. Let's see. T- Tampa Bay's remaining schedule is home against New Orleans, at Baltimore, at Dallas, home against the Falcons. Uh, they could beat Atlanta, which would get them to six wins. I don't know if Lightning's going to strike twice for them against the Saints, especially after the Saints were pretty embarrassed against the Cowboys Thursday night. So it would really come down to them beating either Baltimore or Dallas. But if they do that, there's a chance Tampa Bay could finish second in the division and Carolina would finish third, which would at least make next season's schedule a little bit easier, at least in terms of the two uh, non-common games that... uh, that the Panthers would have in their conference. Because, you know, for fun, at the moment, they'd be playing a second-place schedule, which means the Vikings would be on the schedule, the Eagles would be on the schedule. Oh, I'm sorry. That's actually, that's already including the the Eagles beating the Redskins. So at the moment, it would be the Redskins in second place, and the Seahawks would be on their schedule. So, you know, because we know the schedules are set in advance. Uh, but third place means Green Bay is probably on the schedule, even though Green Bay is only half a game ahead of Detroit. Uh, Philly currently in third, and then the Cardinals are currently in third in the NFC West. So that's that's the div. Now, do you are you rooting for the Panthers to finish third in the division? I don't know. At, at this point, are you rooting for them to try to fight for the playoffs, or are you rooting for them to get as high of a draft pick? As they can, because right now they sit. Right now they sit. Uh, where are they? They are currently 17th in the draft order. They're, of course, right in the mix with all the six and six teams. But at the, as far as the order of the six and six teams go, it would be Miami at 15, Indianapolis at 16, Carolina at 17. Tennessee at 18, Denver at 19, and Minnesota at 20. Well, Minnesota 6-5-1, but 
Uh, Miami, Indy, Carolina, Tennessee, Denver. That's the current draft order of the 6-6 six and six teams. So Carolina right smack in the middle. Uh, and it's a bit of a gap as far as the strength of schedule goes between the Panthers and the Colts. So they would have to you know, lose a few more games if they're going to climb up the, the draft order. Which, by the way, uh, for the moment, the 49ers have the number one pick in the draft. The Niners and Raiders, both the 2-10, and 10, but the Niners have the edge on strength of schedule. As the Cardinals win, almost made the race for the number one pick a, uh, a two-horse race. Now, if the Jets keep losing and the Niners and Raiders both win, the Jets become in play for the number one pick. Uh, but at the moment, it's the 49ers 1, Raiders 2, Jets 3, Cardinals 4, Falcons at 5. Who'd have thought that the that the Falcons, a team that I picked to win the Super Bowl, would be sitting here with four weeks left in the season, currently sitting with a top five pick in the draft? This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. That's where they are right now. Falcons are sitting fifth. Lions, Giants, Bills, Jaguars, and Packers round out the top ten. Packers, who would have thought they'd be picking in the top 10, but they very well could as well. Browns at 11, Bucks at 12, Bengals 13, Eagles currently 14 heading into the Monday night game, and then, like I said, the 6-6 six and six team. So the Panthers at the moment, 17. So, again, it's an interesting question. Are you rooting for the Panthers to... Uh, are you rooting for the Panthers to make a playoff push, or are you now rooting for them to get as high of a draft pick as they can. Let me know your thoughts on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti. As I've rambled on quite a bit. Uh, real quick though, I want to give a shout out to my bookie. Uh, always a great sponsor of the podcast. Apologies too that I wasn't able to get the picks out for week 13. You know, as some of you know, I've been going through some stuff. Uh, you know, things are starting to get a little bit better. That's why, uh, that's why that bracelet from low KI is, is always neat too, just because of the, the message it sends. But a shout out to, to my bookie, uh, been a great sponsor. Remember, go check out my bookie sign up with the promo code locked on 25 after 7 PM to get an extra $25 in free play on deposits of a hundred dollars or more. So that's my bookie, M Y B O O K I E, promo code locked on 25 after 7 p.m. But that'll do it for this edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always. Really do appreciate the support. And until next time, take care, everybody. Keep it locked here on L O P. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. 
Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.